As a young teen, Mary became a follower of Jesus after reading Focus on the Family's Brio magazine. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have that. I'd really like to know what that's about. And so it was, it was an inward decision right there that I made in my room after reading you know, this article in the Brio magazine that I want to have that kind of walk with God that this girl is talking about. For 30 years, we've helped Mary grow in her faith. We've strengthened her marriage, and now we're equipping her to be a good mom to her own kids. Like, really Focus on the Family has been, and all the, the different resources and individuals, the voices of Focus on the Family, it's really been a mentor to me, to my family, um, and just it's cool to see the legacy. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Mary's every month. Please call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Now, I've told you and told you, when mommy tells you to do something, you don't tell her no. Mommy's in charge. Understand, honey? No. Mommy is getting very upset. Now, I'm only going to say this one more time. Sweetie, pay attention. Mommy is in charge. No, stupid mommy. Okay, okay, I give up. You're in charge. Well, maybe you can relate to that. It's kind of sad, but funny at the same time. If you've got a toddler or a teen in the home, you might have been tempted to just wave the white flag and surrender. You just don't know what to do next. On today's Focus on the Family, we have some great news for you. There is hope for your family and uh, some simple parenting strategies, a little common sense, and a lot of prayer. That can all add up to raising healthier, thriving kids. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, the ministry here, Focus on the Family, has been built upon challenges like we just heard in that clip. I can't believe we let the S word get through there. Uh, We don't use that in our house. (laughs) The S word. uh, Yeah, (laughs) stupid. Uh, But for more than 40 years, uh, we've been hearing from moms and dads who want to do a better job with raising their kids. I mean, that is a goal for a healthy family. And the fact is, most parenting issues haven't changed all that much. At least that's my opinion. Since the days of Cain and Abel, I think human behavior is very much the same. And uh, today's parents uh, seem less confident and more uncertain about how to go about this task. Uh, Maybe you're trying too hard to do everything perfectly. I know that's Mm. something we do in the daily household from time to time. It's just, uh, if they could just act perfectly, we'll be fine. But guess what? Kids don't do that. Rarely do they do that. And today we want to equip you with some tools uh, to help you navigate these troubling and uh, exciting days of parenting. And to do that, we're going to talk with one of your favorites. That's Dr. Kevin Lehman. Kevin, welcome back to Focus on the Family. It's great to be here. <laughs> I always feel like I'm at home when I'm at Focus. Oh, oh that's sweet. And you are fun. We enjoy having you. As a last born, we're going to talk about that in a different episode. But uh, we love having you here. You're so much fun. Seems to me that Christian people ought to be fun. <laughs> that sounds right to me. Yeah, well, Kevin uh, is certainly fun on TV. He spends a lot of time on uh, national TV, he does radio, he's a speaker. Uh, he's written more than 50 books, and he's been here dozens of times. And uh, we're going to have some fun along the way as we talk about one of the classics. We've hinted at it. It's called Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. And it's. Uh, I don't out- think that's possible. <laughs> 
Let me just say right from the beginning. Well, you can say that because you've raised kids and now you've lost your mind. Yes, I'm crazy. You tell me I'm crazy. Not at all, Jim. Not at all. Hey, John, in addition to Dr. Kevin Lehman, we have a group of uh, parents around us, and you're going to hear some laughter in the studio. So let's let everybody hear from you guys. Welcome to Focus. That's pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. So they're going to be thinking of some questions on your behalf, and uh, we'll get to them in just a little while. Uh, Kevin, let's kick it off. Uh, Help us understand the overall landscape of parenting today. You heard that intro. Do you think it's different? Do you think parents are basically facing the same challenges, or are they different today? Well, I'm old enough to remember when kids used to obey their parents. Now parents obey their kids. So things have changed. The landscape has changed. In that little introduction, we heard no, 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 no. One of my bits of advice is to young parents who are raising that little firstborn, the little lab rat of the family, (laughs) is don't overuse the word no. They become anesthetized to that. And by the way, when a kid hits 18 months, circle the calendar, mom and dad, because now they understand what sheer power is. Even at that early age? Absolutely. That and sounds ludicrous. I mean, really, they can figure that out that early? Oh, absolutely. Any any kind of a simple overreaction on our part, the kid's saying, oh, they're sort of big on that. Okay, I'm making a mental note on that. Mm-hmm. So kids can work you. They can play you like a violin on the back of making children mine without losing yours. It says, we have seen the enemy and they are small. <laughs> That's right. And That's they're for unionized. Sure. <laughs> the battalion is on the move, so you better have a game plan. Well, let's talk about these two types of parents. There's many shades of this, but obviously you have the control parent. You know, that they're going to they're gonna master parenting by controlling the outcome, by controlling the environment. Uh, why do... Let's lean toward moms in this regard. Why do moms typically feel this is a good way to go? Well, most of us in this room, in this studio, we have lots of parents surrounding us. Most of us, I would guess, there might be one exception, grew up in an authoritarian home, as did I. Some of you, as parents, you had parents who just gave you the look. And when you got the look, your whole body tightened up. Your little heels clicked together. Well, there's the authoritarian parent. Well, let's go the opposite extreme. Meet today's avant-garde, permissive parent. Um, Brittany, uh, Brittany, sweetheart, uh, have you chosen to go to bed yet? You know, my father never said to me, hey, Kevin, uh, have you chosen to go to bed? In fact, he was an Irishman, okay, eighth grade (laughs) educated man. And he'd say things like this, hey, eight o'clock, and he'd point. Now, if you and that meant it was bedtime. Well, we knew the sign language, you know. And if you didn't move, he'd come back and say, hey, you want to go to bed on your own power? Or you want to be ricocheted to bed? <laughs> but the point was what? You're going to bed. So we have these two extremes, and you see this in parenting today. We have the authoritarians. And by the way, more authoritarians still hang around in the Christian world, okay, than in the other side of this fence. But so if you bring up your kid to be authoritarian— I'm here to guarantee you, you're going to plant the seed systematically of rebellion in your kid's heart. If you bring up your kid permissively, okay, 
And these are the parents, again, who failure is not an option for their child. Hey, would you kids knock it off? I'm trying to finish your science project in here. (laughs) (laughs) And they do far too many things. And, And these parents, the permissives, bring their kids up like their kid is the center of the universe. If your kid is the center of the universe and you're a person of faith, somebody pony up and tell me, where's the room for Almighty God in the kid's life? I'm here to tell you there's no room for God in that kid's life. So we ought to move toward the authoritative parent, and I think that's what St. Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. And the authoritative parent has limits, is firm, has authority, and authority, late-breaking news, authority is a great word. We've all seen bumper stickers in our community that says what? Question authority. And so your kid and mine have to learn authority, but we need to learn what authority is, and it certainly isn't authoritarianism. Well, before we get to that uh, end game, that goal, uh, you mentioned a lot of mistakes that we as parents make, and you're talking about a couple of them. One of the uh, terms you use in the book is whack-a-mole parent. So what is a -a whack-a-mole parent? Well, it gets back to the enemy. You ever play whack-a-mole? It's one of those games you find in amusement parks, and something pops up, you hit it with a mallet, and, you know... Again, kids, you're sitting there watching Friends reruns, Mom and Dad, okay? (laughs) It's the end of the day. I mean, the kids have been tucked into bed, and all of a sudden you hear this blood-curdling scream from the back bedroom, okay? And as only your wife can say, she says, "Uh, John, would you do something? And so John gets up, walks in there, pushes open the door, and says, All right, I've had it with you two. Who started it? He did, Daddy. And they point to each other. Okay, you will say things, parent. I know you have an MBA degree, okay? <laughs> I know you're an elder in your church. You will say things that you would never say in front of your friend or your pastor ever, and you top it off with, and that's final, and you slam the door and the whole house shakes. What do the kids do behind closed doors? Laugh. They cover their mouth, <laughs> trying to keep the laughter in, and they say, did you see the veins pop out of his neck? I never saw him pop out that far before. Now, husband John comes back, sits down next to his wife, and as only a loving wife can say, she says, honestly, John, I think you're entirely too rough with the boys. (laughs) And then he snaps back at her and says, seems to me if you discipline around here, I wouldn't have to do that. Now, I ask you, five minutes earlier, were you at each other's throats? No, you were watching Friends reruns. And so I'm telling you, kids play us, they set us up, And like flies into the web, we fly in there. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Amy grew up with pro-life values, but didn't know how to put those beliefs into action until she heard the podcast. You are one person, but whenever you donate to Focus on the Family like I do, it magnifies your impact. Focus on the Family is able to touch millions of people. I'm Jim Daly. Help save more preborn babies from abortion. Become a monthly giver today at focusonthefamily.com slash joy. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
Hey, Kevin, we're going to take some questions in a minute from the crowd around us. Wonderful. So get those questions ready. But uh, for the next few seconds, you mentioned four uh, goals of misbehavior. Yeah. Uh, what are those four areas of misbehavior that parents should know about? And they come out of individual psychology from a guy by the name of Dr. Alfred Adler, who years ago was a colleague of Sigmund Freud in Vienna. But real briefly, kids misbehave uh, for a reason. As kids become less encouraged and therefore discouraged, I mean, all kids are attention getters. Kids are going to seek attention positively or negatively, but all kids are attention getters. But when encouragement goes down in the home, and I'll be glad to talk about the difference between encouragement and praise, a kid will go beyond it. Let me let me show you with a little noise to boot. A classroom teacher, okay, and a little third grader starts tapping his pen, making noise. Teacher says, Thomas, Thomas, please, and he stops. What's the best predictor before that classroom is over? What behavior is probably going to reoccur again? You guessed it. So that's the attention getter. It's purpose of behavior. He makes that noise to draw attention to himself. Now, you've got the powerful child. If he continues to get discouraged, he becomes powerful. Now, this is the kid that wanders around you tell him to sit down. Okay, you give him a command to sit down. He sits all right, but he takes his arms and he folds them and he's got a defiant look on his face, sort of, okay, I will, but I'm to tell you, I'm the boss here. <laughs> a kid throws a temper tantrum. What's the purpose of nature of the temper tantrum at the mall? He's saying, hey, parent, I'm an authority over you. What St. Paul clearly says in Ephesians 6 is this, children obey your parents. It's the right thing to do because God has placed them, here's that word, in authority over you. So he's saying, hey, I'm the boss. I only count life when I win. So you see attention getters, you see powerful kids, then you see revengeful kids. In all my years of 40 years of private practice, I'll bet I didn't see two revengeful kids in all those times. And those are kids that are so hurt by life, they feel like they need to strike back at life. Then you've got the kids who, they're just inadequate. They just give up. Yeah. You see very few of those, believe it or not. So most of the kids that we deal with are attention getters or powerful driven kids. The power driven says, I only count when I dominate, when I win, when I control. The attention guy says, I only count life when I get other people to serve me, and I'm the center of attention. Mm. Man, those are good thoughts. Um, before questions, can you answer this for me? Formulas in how we parent, especially in the Christian community, um, do we need a little realization there that sometimes you can do things really well and your child still has their own free will? Is it all that formulaic or is it unpredictable to a point? That's how much God loved us. He gave us free choice. But, you know, kids, they get a wire up their tail they turn left when everybody else is turning right. Uh, if I had all those answers, Jim, I would write a book called All Life's Answers. <laughs> but, no, but it's true. I would co-author it with Jim Daly and John Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so very much. But it's so true because parents can carry a lot of guilt, too, because they've done the, the right thing, the good thing. But they're still not getting the result that they had hoped for or uh, prayed about for years. If you're a parent, write this one down. Guilt is the propellant for most of the lousy decisions you will make as a parent. Mm, you got to get over the guilt. 
Well, with that, let's open it up uh, to our guests around the table here and just give me your first name and state your question. Hi, my name is Erin, and I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. And my question is... Where are the children? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Over at which end? Uh, I have a question about something that my husband and I try to do in the evening. We call it family Bible time, and we try to bring the kids together and read a Bible story and um, <laughs> already laughing. No, it's just, yeah. Um, I'm smiling. And so um, sometimes thing. we let them act out the Bible story, but we're just trying to expose them and have family time together where we pray and read the Bible story. And it's it's not going very well because <laughs> my husband is more authoritarian yeah. and wants them to be respectful and to mind. That oh doggone husband. And <laughs> I want them to have a positive experience with the Bible and with prayer and not have – I'm struggling because I don't want the discipline of trying to get them to mind to have a bad association with I don't think any couple has ever faced this. Aaron, I, yes, Aaron I, love you. I love you, Aaron. I want to tell you that. I, I want to tell you the Lehmans, okay, Sandra and Kevin Lehman failed at that so miserably so early. I figured out a long time ago this isn't working. One of the things, so I'm telling you, when you when you have seven, five, and three, you try to line them up, and everybody's going to pay attention, and we're going to have Bible story. It reminds me of my mother. My mother sent me to Joy Club. It was... <laughs> It was horrific. <laughs> and I'm so old, they had flannel graphs. You talk about exciting. It was exciting. Joy Club, I love oh, that. It was, but you know what? Here I am. I'm not making fun of it. I still remember what, G, what Joy stood for, Jesus, others, and you. My mom tried. But I'll tell you what we did and what I might suggest for anybody to try. You know, kids love stories. They love stories at bedtime. You can tell kids stories that has biblical implications that demonstrate biblical principles to kids in a fun way. It makes you creative, imaginative, and you can tell the kids the same story. Now, if you choose to do that, I'm going to warn you. Jim talked earlier about the judge and jury. If you change that story, or you leave something out, you're going to hear from your little Judge Judy <laughs> who's going to say, Danny, you, you left out a part or whatever. But kids love stories. And we tried the devotional thing around the table with no success whatsoever. I marvel at people who can pull that one off. So <laughs> I want you to know, Aaron, you're not alone. Try to be creative one-on-one -on -one with the kids rather than the three of them together. You're outnumbered three to two. There you have it. Also, Odyssey is a great, a great storytelling oh, yeah. children's series that we yes. do. And it's a, a good thing to be able to listen to that together and then talk about the principles involved. Let's go to the next question. My name's Juliana, and I really appreciate everything you're saying about being an authoritative parent. Um, my husband and I are about seven weeks from having our firstborn, and so I would love your tips on how to get started well on that. When, how? Yes. That's a, I love that question. And I love your name. What a pretty name. My goodness. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, you heard me talk about turn the heat up. We sort of overdo things. I remember holding my daughter for the first time, and I held her with my arms outstretched because I was afraid I was going to hurt her. You know, I think all of us as parents have done that. I'm going to give you some advice. Number one, have a noisy home. Mm -hmm. Don't tiptoe around this little sucker. 
okay? They will learn to go with the flow. Take them with you wherever you go, and then check this out. In the first two weeks of life, leave that baby home. I hesitated for a fact. <laughs> what does that mean, okay? leave them home? Does that mean home alone? No, That's it illegal, doesn't mean I home think. alone. <laughs> okay? And now, again, if you're a first-time mom, who are you going to leave them with? A Ph.D. in pediatric nursing, Lehman, that's who. You know, that's that temptation. Grandma will do. A good friend will do. But you go out for an evening with your husband. You're going to want to just go to dinner and come right home. That's the temptation. No, go to dinner, see a movie, make it a long night. Your child will learn, and you're now beginning to teach yourself that you have a right to life as a couple. And one of the best things you can do as a parent is to make sure you're a couple. Those that's, are just a couple. That's things. great. That is great advice. And don't overuse the word no as that child starts to grow. Yeah. Try to say yes. Hello. My name is Lori, and um, I'm an only child. And my husband and I have a daughter who's also an only child. She's 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Lori, before we go any further, we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to pray for you and your husband. <laughs> and your, yeah. Pray for your husband, wow. for sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We, we tend to be parenting, our parenting style is more toward the permissive side, but not extreme permissive, just more toward that area. So I wanted your opinion on something. Our daughter, who's in seventh grade, she's a great student, you know, straight A's, blah, 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 <laughs> very respectful. That's what I expect. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see, how do I say this? So, for instance, last night um, she came home. And she had a lot of homework to do, and she had to go to a function after school. And normally, she unloads the dishwasher. However, me being the parent, I thought, oh, she has all this stuff to do. I don't want to ask her to unload the dishwasher because she needs time to do all these other things. So I didn't ask her to unload the dishwasher. So when she has a lot of homework to do or she's real busy, I just, you know, sometimes I'll even clean up her room for her. Things like that. So I'm just wondering your take on that because well, I don't want to stress her out. I I'm going to surprise you, I think. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you only child, you. Um, I'm going to surprise you because I'm going to give you a, a Dr. Lehman five-star because I think you have to realize that some kids have a lot on their plate and there's nothing better than perceiving that situation, going in and doing things you normally wouldn't do, okay? Because, honey, and she says, Mom, did you clean up my bedroom? Sure, honey, you got a lot in your plate this week. I just thought it would help. Now, is that an excuse? Are you going to do that every week? Are you going to give your kid room service and food service? And my question to every parent is, are you rearing your kid in a home or hotel? Most parents rear their kids in what? Hotels. Meaning what? We give them room service and food service, and we snowplow the roads of life for them. But I'm saying, hey, mm. This isn't cookie cutter here, folks. You got to know who you're leading. You're the leader in your family. And sometimes you see situations like that where you step up and you do kind things for each other. Kevin, let me let me ask you a question because I know this is uh, happening in some homes where that more authoritarian parent is saying, hey, this kid needs to learn and therefore they need to throw that banana peel away. Maybe it is finals week, but where's that balance uh, of showing that kindness and the error of showing no kindness because you aren't learning how to how to grow up. Well, so how do you, I mean, I like what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. But sometimes there will be one parent in the home that uh, is so set on teaching you the right thing to do that there's never any grace or any, let me help you with that. You ever wondered why grace is so bountiful? 
could it possibly be because you and I need it on a daily basis? <laughs> Again, I think that parent who is so rule-oriented, he's going to have or she's going to have Pharisee thinking. There's a right way to do things. You lose some great teachable moments. I think you want to teach your kids to be humble. You never look bigger in your kids' eyes when you say, I misspoke, I was wrong, would you forgive me? Mm. One of my chilling moments of being a parent and an author of 59 books is this. My 11-year-old daughter, Holly, looked at me at the breakfast table after I'd run over her feelings big time, and she said, do you know what you ought to do? And show you how stupid Kevin Lehman is. I said, what? And she said, you ought to read your own book. (laughs) And that one got me. And she was right. And I apologize profusely to her. So, again, keep in mind this balance. That's why I bring authoritative to our minds today. We want to be authoritative. We want to stand in authority. God didn't put you on this earth to be run over by your smart mouth kid. Don't ever allow it. And for all you women, look at the news today. Look at everything that's in the news today about men and women. You women who are raising sons, you represent all of womanhood to this young guy. Don't ever take any guff from little Buford or his little brother Harlan, ever, ever, ever. We were obviously having great fun in the studio and learning lots from Dr. Kevin Lehman, and uh, we really appreciated those great questions from our in-studio audience as well. Uh, Make plans now to join us for part two of the conversation next time, and we certainly do recommend... Uh, that you follow up on this important topic of healthy discipline for kids by getting a copy of Dr. Lehman's book, which is a terrific resource, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. We'll send that to you when you make a generous donation of any amount to Focus on the Family today. And many of you know that's a big part of what we do here at Focus, provide resources and practical tools for families. And we want to equip parents like we've done today, hopefully, and help couples learn how to better communicate and serve one another in marriage. And we're committed to saving preborn babies and so much more. In many ways, uh, we're like a family resource warehouse. I've often said it that way, Mm. where you can find books and downloads and videos and articles on every topic related to family. And we hope you'll come back to those resources again and again for the help and encouragement that you might need. Now, as you can imagine, these resources do cost money to create and to publish, and we need ongoing funding from friends like you who care about the state of the family. And I'm sure you've seen evidence of family breakdown in your own community, your own church, and maybe even in your own family. So many people are desperate for advice, healing, and spiritual renewal. Focus on the Family wants to be a part of rescuing these families, many of whom can't afford to pay for the resources that you provide. So you can be part of the restoration process through your monthly support of Focus. Right now, we're recruiting sustainers, people who will commit to a monthly pledge. It may only be $10 a month, but every bit helps. And I'm inviting you to consider partnering with us today. We do appreciate anything that you can give to encourage and support today's families, and a monthly pledge would be great. A one-time gift, as Jim said, is also helpful. Donate today and get a copy of Dr. Lehman's book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. 
One other resource that you'll find at our website is a free parenting assessment. It's a simple survey of your family and what's working well in your relationship with your kids. Uh, We'll provide suggestions about areas that might need a little improvement as well. It's free. It takes just a few minutes. It's the parenting assessment. Check that out when you're online with us. Next time, you'll hear more from Dr. Lehman. He'll be offering rules of engagement for parenting your children. When you're fighting with your kids, you're cooperating with them. You're the adult here. You don't have to go there. You can say it once, turn your back, walk away. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. What is building up your teen girl's belief system? And that's the main thing, actually, that I've gotten from Debrio Magazine since I've gotten them, is just how to stay strong in your faith and how to just every day rely on God for everything, even if you're having a wonderfully good day or just an absolute terrible one. Discover how Brio Magazine can capture the heart and faith of your teen girl at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. Kids can work you. They can play you like a violin on the back of making children mine without losing yours. It says, we have seen the enemy and they are small. <laughs> and they're unionized. Sure. <laughs> they the ankle biter battalion is on the move. So you better have a game plan. Well, Dr. Kevin Lehman describing some of the common challenges that we face as parents. And there are a lot of challenges, aren't there? If you wish you could improve the ways that you and your children interact with each other, uh, just hang on because we have more encouragement from Dr. Lehman today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Hey John, we had a great conversation last time with Dr. Lehman about where we are as parents and where we can get a little off track with how we're raising our kids. Do you feel like that Multiple sometimes? times, it seems. <laughs> Not a day. day. Well, yeah, actually a <laughs> Multiple day times a day. Well, we often try to, to make life easier for them. I am guilty of that. What little thing can I do? Sometimes that's good. Kevin Lehman last time talked about that. If you missed the broadcast last time, get the download, get the smartphone app. There's lots of ways you can listen, and we want you to hear it because we think it's going to improve your ability to parent uh, the way you need to parent and the way God wants you to parent. That's the key. So uh, get that download, get it on the smartphone, whatever you need to do. Uh, it was a great discussion. Yeah, and we're talking once again about Dr. Lehman's book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Um, it, just in a little print here at the top, Jim says, more than one million copies sold. I that guess it was something. pretty popular, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? that's right. It's revised, and uh, it's got some new content in it, and we've got it at focusonthefamily.com slash radio. Uh, or call us, and uh, we'll be happy to send a copy to you, 800, the letter A, and the word family. There must be about 10 million more parents that need this, I would think. Something like that. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. it's great to have you back. Hey, thank you, Jim. Hey, last time uh, we had a great discussion. I loved it, and there were so many helpful hints there. Uh, but you wanted to talk about the distinction between praise and encouragement. Yes. You know, I call it vitamin E, encouragement. And everybody knows that praise is great for kids, and You'll see me on a network uh, television program, and they'll introduce me as, hey, Dr. Kevin Lehman's coming up with uh, why praise is destructive with children. Stay tuned. We want to hear from this nut. (laughs) And uh, 
I go out there and make a case for why praise is destructive with children. Now, first of all, let me say this. If you want to praise something, praise God. God is worthy of your praise. Your husband, your wife, your kids are not. You use encouragement rather than praise, and you're going to see a tremendous difference. Let me give you just a couple of simple examples. Your kid brings home five A's on the report card, okay? You're the traditional authoritarian-based parent. Oh, five A's. Oh, I am so excited. I'm calling Aunt Sally and Uncle Jack right now. Oh, you're the best kid in the whole world. Here's four kisses and a $20 bill. Now, people are saying, hey, Lehman, what's wrong with that? The kid got five A's. And I mean, you're happy and you're calling aunt and grandma and, and you gave him a 20. What's wrong with that? A lot of things. Let me show you how to use encouragement in that same situation. Wow, five A's. You hit it out of the park. It looked like all that hard work you put in really paid off, honey. Congratulations. And guess what, parent? You just saved yourself. $20. Now, <laughs> doesn't sound as fun. I, I want you to hear the takeaway. The takeaway for the kid is somebody acknowledge the hard work I did. It's not blue smoke. It's not the carrot on the stick. And it's just part of our society. That's how we respond. Single mom coming home from a dental appointment on a Saturday morning, and she's thinking about everything she has to do. And if you're a single mom especially, you know what life's like. I mean, you get one day to get everything done in life. And she's thinking about her home and the kitchen and the dishes and Friday night's dishes and Thursday night's dishes are there. And she walks into a clean, sparkling kitchen. And there's her 13-year-old son with a dish towel over his table. The traditional mother, oh, my goodness, did you clean this up? You're the best boy in the whole world. Still kisses, and there's a $10 bill. Okay? Encouragement. Wow. Did you clean this up? Honey, what a thoughtful thing to do. I am so dead tired and have so many things to do. I appreciate that so much. The takeaway goes right to the kid's heart. Trust me. And so you want to think in encouraging terms. Simple things like, hey, good job. Now you're getting it. Wow. Those are all encouraging words. Don't overdo the praise. Kevin, I got to ask you this because I think so many parents fall into this trap, which would be, hey, you did a a pretty good job here, but you may have missed this spot or that spot. And that's age-appropriate, too. An 8-year-old, 9-year-old is going to do a different job than a 15-year-old. But distinguish between those uh, parenting approaches as well. Well, there's parents who are just natural improvers. They can improve anything. And I can relate this as a, as a husband. Uh, we built one home in our entire marriage from the ground up. And when you build a home, you have no money left for anything, okay, especially landscaping. That's the last thing. <laughs> And our backyard was covered with weeds. I live in Tucson, Arizona. We got some mean weeds in that town. And one morning I got up at 5 o'clock, put a swimming suit on, went out in the backyard and weeded that entire thing. I was like a little boy at 10 o'clock that morning waking Mrs. Uppington, my bride, to tell her what I had done. Now, she's a firstborn, and she is capable of finding a flaw. <laughs> and I can't make a story up like this. She looks down along the concrete patio, and there's a little weed about two inches tall that looks like he's going to grow up and become a weed someday, okay? And she points to that weed. I'm telling you, if I had a gun, she'd be dead. Uh, I mean, it was just, it, it, it brought the carnal self out of me. I worked five hours cleaning that thing, and she found the flaw. And some of you parents are like that, you know? And some of you husbands are like, you're lucky enough to have a wife who cooks dinner. You sit down to dinner and you say, hey, what's with the carrots? (laughs) Well, 
be careful. You might be wearing carrot shortly. Okay? <laughs> and so it is with our kids. We can find the flaw. We say, but if you did this, and I call that shooting on your kid. Don't should on your kid. Okay? And that shooting says what? You could have measured up. You didn't measure up. You want the kid to realize that his effort is what's important. That's the vitamin E. When you become the praiser, the evaluator, the critical-eyed parent, you're setting your kid up for failure. Watch out for that critical eye. It's called a carnal self. I remind you, St. Paul said, he called himself wretched. If he's wretched, what are you and me? So we all are subject to that carnal self. Don't bring it out on your kids. Well, that's so true. And you're hearing some of the laughter of the audience. Uh, We have about 20 people sitting with us in the studio, and they're going to ask some questions a little later, as they did last time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a really uh, good conversation. It really was. It adds a dynamic to it. So, uh, Kevin, you also mentioned in your book, uh, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, which I still am not sure you can accomplish that, but I'll read the book. (laughs) The, uh, The Reality Discipline. This idea that reality discipline is the right way to go. You touched on it last time. Let's go there again. Give another example of what that means. Because so many parents want to save their kids from problems. What's great about this, it keeps you out of the daily battle with your son or your daughter. For example, 12-year-old is supposed to clean his room on Tuesdays and Saturdays, okay? And it's Tuesday night. It hasn't been done. A smart parent, without warning, warnings are disrespectful acts. There's another one that throws parents for a loop. Don't warn your kids. Somewhere it's written you're supposed to warn them. I don't know where it is, but it's not good advice. Bushwhack them. (laughs) Surprise them, okay? So hire 10-year-old sister to go clean 12-year-old's room and pay for it out of 12-year-old's allowance. That's what I call let the reality of the situation become the teacher to the child. To be real frank, he doesn't care for his sister that much to begin with. And for him to find out that creep was even in his room, he's not a happy dude. Now he loses $5 out of his allowance for housekeeping services rendered. You have his attention. But see, he has a choice, just like you have a choice. Run your car through the car wash for $10 or wash it yourself. And that's why I call it reality discipline. You got a kid that doesn't get up in the morning, and every morning you do battle with this kid. Now, how do you feel once he gets on the stupid school bus, half-dressed and without breakfast? Do you feel good about the conversation you have with your kid all morning, yelling and screaming and saying things you wouldn't say in front of your friends? No. Well, don't wake him up, again, without warning. Let him suffer the consequence of being late. And here's the note you write, dear teacher, dear administrator, Buford has absolutely no reason to be late for school today. He chose to sleep in. Do whatever you feel free to do, whatever you think is right for kids who are tardy. Love mom. <laughs> Love mom. And what you've done is you've taken the tennis ball life and put it back in whose court? In yeah, court. I like that. Uh, Kevin, I like those uh, a lot. But in that first scenario, um, I can I can hear some parents say, yeah, what I'm doing is setting up a big fight now because he doesn't like his sister, and I just gave him a reason to really not like her. How do I manage all of that emotional spillover? Okay, and there's kids who will say, okay, let's up the ante, hmm. just like John just said. And now he's snarky and nasty to his mom and to his sister, okay? Within 20 minutes, the kid wants something, and you give him vitamin N. Mom, would you do this? Mom, can I do that? Uh, No, you can't. And they come back. at. They just don't put their hands in their pocket and walk away and say, well, I lost that one. Again, they'll come after you with badger-like fierceness, okay? And let him work for it. Let him figure out why you're not acquiescing to his request. 
And a good answer is, I don't feel like doing anything for you right now. Turn your back, walk away. Let them see visually that you are one unhappy dudette, mom, okay? And when he figures it out, and you tell him very matter of fact, I didn't like the way you talked to your sister and your mother. And, and just let it go at that. He'll catch on. So you're remaining in authority. You're not picking a fight, so to speak, okay? But again, he's trying to engage you in battle. If, if this will help you remember, remove your sails from the child's wind. Because the kids are going to try to engage you in battle. Fighting is an act of, you ready for it? Cooperation. When you're fighting with your kids, you're cooperating with them. You're the adult here. You don't have to go there. You can say it once, turn your back, walk away. And notice they'll come after you because they don't like that. They want to engage you in battle. If you get in a power struggle with your kid, guarantee you lose. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kevin, uh, last time you mentioned this idea of saving your kids, one of the things we've encountered is how many, I think, as we observe school projects like the infamous Science Project or whatever it might be. Well, Jim did help a little. No. You know what? Gene and I, I told Gene, I said, when our kids get to that point where they're doing the science project, we are not helping other than encouragement and giving them just any kind of advice they might ask. But that's it. And so the first science project was hilarious. I mean, we in this town in Colorado Springs, we do have children who belong to astronauts. And they'd come in with the rocket ship. You're going, there's no way that nine-year-old did that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know dad was on it. Yes. Um, But talk about that idea of bailing your kids out, helping your kids, doing their homework. It should not be done for all the reasons you've talked about. But be be very specific as to why and what damage you're doing. Well, first of all, I'm going to give you the Lehman Five Star for you and Gene staying out of that because it's so easy to get into because we tend to project our unfulfilled dreams and wishes. Now, here's the psychologist in me on our children, and we want them to succeed. We don't want them to fail. We want them to get in the right school. And once you hit that area, we've got college coming, and it's real easy to jump in. It destroys self-confidence, okay, in kids. That's why routines are important. We had a question on yesterday's show about what advice would you give to a young mom about to have a little firstborn. And one thing I didn't say is create routines. Routines for kids give self-confidence, okay? So, again... When kids learn early that mom and dad are not going to step in there and snowplow the roads of life for them, they build confidence in the fact that, hey, I can do this. Kevin, one of those areas that can be cloudy for parents, particularly Christian parents, this idea of unconditional love. It's a wonderful thing. We want to live in that spot where we receive it and we give it. But when it comes to parenting, 
that can also be real permissive, and you don't have a spine when it comes to the job of parenting. So distinguish between unconditional love from a parent to a child and the responsibility of raising a child, which sometimes requires conditions. Yeah. You, you love a child for who he is, okay? You don't love what he does lots of times. I think of my sweet mother who endured all the things uh, she did in bringing up me. And one of my favorite scenarios in life was when, as you get old and near death, this is a reminder for all these young parents around, when you get old and near death, they start giving you awards. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, they gave me an honorary doctorate degree, and the University of Arizona gave me their highest award they can give to one of their own. But I got a call and a letter from my high school. Now, this is the high school I graduated fourth <laughs> in the bottom of the class. And they wanted to put me on their wall of fame. I said, I'm there. I'm there. I'm going. And my mother lived to be 95 years old. So here I am driving my 90-year-old mother up to school. Here's the actual conversation. Hey, Ma, we fooled a few people, didn't we? Oh, honey. She says, I am so proud of you. I said, remember the night the cops brought me home? She said, oh, I do. But you were such a good boy. Do you remember the time I got caught with the stolen sweaters? Oh, I do. But her every answer to everything I brought up, everything I did, all the maladies of life that came to mind, she had the same response, but you were such a good boy. And all I could think of was Romans 8.39 that says, nothing separates you from the love of Christ. And that's how a parent love is for their kid. Nothing separate. Do you like what they do? Do you like some of their actions? Do you like their smart mouth sometimes? No. And that's why you discipline them. But you you guide, you know. I wrote a book called uh, The Way of the Shepherd, a leadership book, five-star rated on Amazon, which means somebody likes it. But, you know, the shepherd goes out of their way to bring that one little lamb back in. You know, he uses the rod to guide the sheep. He uses the rod to separate the, the fur. He uses it sometimes to give them a little shot in the tail to move along when they need to move along. I'm here on the behalf of all the sheep in North America. They're not stupid. They know the difference between real love and real appreciation and a phony. So you got to be real with your kids. You love them to death. Yes, there's times you'd like to string up every one of them for different things they've done. But that love permeates everything else. Love never fails. That's good, a good answer. All right, well, let's open it up uh, to our guests around the table here. And just give me your first name and state your question. Hi, I'm David. And I first wanted to thank you for your work. My wife and I have two daughters, 24 and 23, and they've turned out pretty good. And we've used <laughs> a lot of your principles. And uh, you kept us laughing, kind of take the heat off. And no grandkids yet, but we're thinking about that. Do things change as you become a grandparent and using these principles? Well, David, thank you for the question. Uh, let me point out one of those reasons why those kids turned out so well is if you ever read a Lehman book, they underscore the daddy-daughter relationship and the mother-son relationship. When dads step up to the plate, be the dads they need to be, those daughters just flourish. So when those little, we have four grandchildren, okay, and uh, it's just, it's a blessing. You know, the old adage is, you know, you can love them and give them back to their parents and go on, enjoy life and shuffleboard is, is true to a certain extent. But you know what? I love to engage our grandchildren. 
I say things to my grandchildren sometimes that are sort of street education, and I see my daughter sort of cringe. <laughs> I can't imagine that. And, and, but then she'll come around and say, Dad, I am so glad. I am so glad that I have a dad like you who cares about my kids to bring up these things because I have an eighth grader now. Little Connor's got size 14 shoes. And what's going on today in seventh and eighth grade in schools, parents need to know. It's it's not like it was years ago. So it just deepens everything. I think a lot of parents who followed Kevin Lehman through the years, they're looking at their kids now and seeing how they're rearing their children. And they might be the ones that go out and pick up Making Children Mine and give it to their kids and say, you need to read this book because they're scratching their head saying, what's happened here? This isn't how they were reared. So young people today have their own mind about how kids ought to be reared. And it's different <laughs> It's different in many ways from how their parents raised them. All right, let's move on to the next question. My name is Erin, and my question is, what parenting pitfalls are there for two parents who were firstborn children? That's a good one. Well, <sighs> quickly hit the attributes of a firstborn. That will help the audience better understand. Well, firstborns are... Reliable, conscientious, they're achievers, they know everything there is in life. Um, I finally worked up enough courage to say to my firstborn wife, and this will help answer the question, I said, you're bossy. (laughs) And without missing a note, she looked at me and she said, I'm not bossy. My ideas are just better than yours. (laughs) So here's the thing. You have to understand that firstborn tend to be perfectionistic. They have a need to be right. And they're the great correctors. They're the great, I call the women Martha Luthers because they're the great reformers, okay? They're always reforming something. And it's so easy to see your kids and see imperfection in their life, and you just pounce on it. This kid, if you're critical, okay, if you're a critical-eyed parent, and most critical-eyed parents are firstborn or only-born children, your firstborn is going to pay for it. So here's the caveat. Here's the warning. Does your firstborn start a lot of projects and doesn't finish them? Do they draw a picture and tear it up in front of you and say it's no good? Okay. Do they say negative things about themselves and other people? Watch out because you have what I call a discouraged, defeated perfectionist, one who is going to be great at doing themselves and in life. It's spawned from having that critical-eyed parent. Now let me ask you this. Is God a critical parent? Is he looking for imperfect people with the biggest whammo slingshot on record, popping them off one at a time? No. He says, come to me. There's got to be a submission there. And there's another word that people hate today, submission. You want to be a great parent, I think you have to live a submissive life. And before we conclude our conversation with Dr. Kevin Lehman on this episode of Focus on the Family, we've got one more question for him. And here's the question, Kevin. Um, so a parent has been listening, or maybe a grandparent that knows their grandkids and their adult children are in trouble in this area. Speak to both audiences. What can a parent do who has a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, uh, you know, an older teen, and they have been the authoritarian parent, and they don't see how to back up? Maybe they're feeling that conviction right now that making them do everything perfectly has not won the day. And there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger in that relationship. What can they do to begin to retrieve that and to have a normal, healthy relationship? Well, a complex question in many ways, but let me try to address that. First of all, you grandparents, you know, we just passed the Christmas season. In this day and age, how about this? How about making a a DVD, a video of your life, 
to each of your grandchildren, talking about the struggles you've had emotionally, uh, spiritually, the time that you doubted the very existence of God, Hmm. uh, how you came to terms with Christ, how your life changed, what advice you would give to them as they go through life. You want to give your kids, your grandkids, a real gift, one that they'll treasure. If there's a proverbial fire in the home, the one thing they'd grab is that DVD of Grandma and Grandpa. What a great way to keep your life active in your kids' lives. For those parents who are struggling, you've been too authoritarian, you need to come to a place of forgiveness, you just start with a simple apology. Ask for some forgiveness. See what's happened. Sometimes, though, when you have those authoritarian know-it-all parents, you end up with kids who are really deeply divided from you. you got a 14-year-old, 15-year-old who's four-letter wording you every day. Uh, life is hell on earth, to put it bluntly. What do you do? I would suggest toilet paper. Wait a minute. Toilet paper? Well, I prefer two-ply. If you want one, that's okay. But what I would do if I got a 14-year-old or 15-year-old that's way out of control, I would, just for effect, get 18 jointed pieces of toilet paper. I would say, honey, I need to talk to you. What do you want to talk about? Honey, I just need three minutes, and then you're a free man. I'd hold up those 18. I would drop all but four off, assuming the kid's 14 years old. I'd have this direct conversation. You have four more years to live in this prison. You've made it very clear that you don't like living here, and let me speak for your mother and myself. You have not been a real pleasure to be around for the first 14. It hasn't been good. I'd like to see things change. I'm willing to meet you halfway. And if you don't, you need to understand this, that in four more years, you're to leave this home and you're on your own. We wish you the best. Sometimes you have to bring it right down to to the street war kind of thing. You have to lay things on the line. And again, would you rather slow leak that life to death or would you rather bring it to an explosion point? I'd rather bring it to that explosion point, try to deal with it as best we can. You only do that with God's help and with a presence of mind to keep in mind there's a balance here. So you're sort of giving them a a tough shot, but you're also opening your arms to say, I am willing to do some changing and meet you halfway. And that represents a big, uh, big discussion. If you're facing a crisis like that in your marriage or family, Focus on the Family is here to help you. We have caring Christian counselors, and we'd be happy to put you in contact with a member of that team. Allow us to bring godly healing and restoration to your family. It is a privilege. Yeah, we're a phone call away. And let me also point out resources like Dr. Lehman's terrific book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. And a free parenting assessment that we also have at our website. That's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Or call us for details, 800-232-6459. That's 800, the letter A, and the word family. And I'm sure that many of you are aware that the strength of our nation and culture is built upon the strength of our families. So when our families are broken or weak, we're in big trouble. And that's why Focus on the Family exists, to help strengthen and support today's families, to rescue hurting marriages, equip parents, share the good news of the message of Jesus Christ, and so much more. We're inviting you to join us in this family-building ministry. We're looking for a 1,000 people who will commit to a monthly pledge so that we'll have the funding and resources we need to respond to the hundreds of thousands of families who will contact us this year. Can we count on you for your ongoing partnership with Focus today? 
Anything you can give will help, uh, a monthly pledge or even a one-time gift, but we would like to hear from you really soon, like today. And uh, when you make a pledge or send a gift of any amount, we'll say thank you for being a part of the support team by sending a copy of Dr. Lehman's book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Our number, again, is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.